for a full Sunday. We about to get fed good today. Okay. Hmm. Cool. Yep. Okay, so they on. All right, let me put that on. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? Instagram too. We here. We live. We about to get it started now. I still got a couple minutes, but y'all come in, come in. We got like another sixty seconds. Y'all come on in. Y'all come on in. All right. Ah, my brother off. Ah, this is what's up. Another day, another blessing. This another Sunday. We here. This is Rap About Radio, uh, Mental Breakthrough. And today I'm on it. Um, you know, I have a special, special guest. And, you know, he's not only a guest, he's a role model to me. He's been uh, a male figure in my life that, you know, ever since I can remember that I looked up to. And, you know, just my good brother, my uncle, uh, Student Minister Abdul Arf Muhammad. Assalamualaikum. Thank you for connecting with me. Assalamualaikum. How are you doing? Assalamualaikum. Salam, my dear brother Chaz. It's so wonderful to see you and man to be so proud of the magnificent young man that you've grown into a responsibility of husband and father and this great work that you've been doing with Rap About TV since I can remember as far back as 10, 10, 15, when I was blessed to do your show uh, uh, as we were mobilizing for the justice or else in Washington, D.C. So it's wonderful to see you again. All right. All right. Yes. That was, I remember that event. And it's funny because it was justice or else. But now I feel like we're in or else time where we're, God is alive, finally coming down. He's chastising us. 
um, you know, because we haven't taken heed to his call. And but before I get into that, though, I'm let me just tell all the listeners and all the viewers is listening. This is you know, again another episode of Mental Breakthrough. And these conversations I like to have um, when I speak on mental viewers, I feel like in America or in society, period, we all, especially as black men and women, have it's a glass ceiling that they like to place over our heads. But as we move forward and try to get to the next level, that, that glass ceiling can be broken. And I and I, I like to have conversations with individuals who 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 wasn't who's not scared or not fearful to break through that glass and get to the next level to you know tap into that gift that Allah blessed them with. So I'm gonna ask you, Brother Of, um, did you remember that that first major conversation that you had with yourself? You was alone with just you and Allah, you and your thoughts, and just you and him, and you had that conversation as when you was ready to really submit your will to, you know, to, to a lot call and, and really fulfill your purpose. Do you remember that type of conversation you had with yourself? Well, that's a big question. Let me first, uh, dear brother Chad, before I give my answer, just open in the name of Allah, uh, the beneficent and merciful, we will thank him for intervening in our affairs. From the person of Master Fahd Muhammad, we will thank him for raising in our midst the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, that we believe him to be the exalted Christ. And we thank both of them for the mercy in our midst today, the man who is walking in the pages of scripture. Uh, uh, we see him in the scripture under the name Jesus. We see him in the scriptures under the name Messiah. And we have such a man among us today in the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan. And so we, on behalf of those three, the God, his Christ, and their Messiah, Jesus, in our midst, I greet you in peace. As-salamu alaykum. Um, I want to uh, also, also uh, as the minister always asks me when I'm speaking to the believing community, to send to them the greetings, his greetings of As-salamu alaykum. And for those who are listening, I will certainly return those greetings. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so, uh, dear brother, uh, I'm going to take kind of what we would call the, the circular route to this answer. Um, we live in Satan's world. And so the ceiling that you're talking about is the oppression that we as black people have suffered for over 460 years where we have been denied life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have been denied freedom, justice, and equality. And so the suffering and the injustice that is upon us has been a ceiling on us and living in a world that is against the black man and the black woman brings about extreme pressure. And so uh, many times we are suffering depression, mental anguish, mental breakdown. But when you refer to a mental breakthrough, yeah. we're talking about a human being and what helps you and to know and understand who you are, to know and understand your purpose, to, know and understand what gifts God has given you. 
that's the breakthrough for a human being. Allah, uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan says to us that Allah created nothing without aim or purpose. And the problem that we have living in the right. world is trying to understand, first fighting to survive in a world that is oppressing us and treating us unjustly as we see all around us, but then to also try to find a way to elevate ourselves in this world and to accomplish something. So like any of us, there are several instances in our lives when we uh, have a mental breakthrough to help us move forward in a positive way in life. Yes, uh, I'll just say very briefly, there was one uh, that I was affected by many years ago uh, in the early 80s. Uh, not long after I came into the nation of Islam. And so um, I had graduated from college. I had been in law school, I was in ministry. And then uh, there was a point in my life when all that I had had dissipated and I was by myself alone. Uh, I was no longer in law school. I was no longer uh, employed with a job. I, uh, the relationship I had had deteriorated. Um, uh, there was the ministry that I was in. I was no longer acting in that capacity. So here I was alone. Hmm. It created a great depression in me. So much so that I had to go back home to my parents' home where I had grown up as a young man. And that caused me great stress. But one day, when you talk about mental breakthrough, I was sitting on that couch and kind of going through my mind what had happened. How do I get back up? How do I move? What are the next steps? And I heard a right. voice in my head, which I believe to be God speaking to me. And the voice said two words to me, get up. And I instinctively knew with that voice in me, the God in me telling me, you got to get up out of this situation. And as God would have it, he blessed me to get up. I got back in law school. I, uh, I, I, able, I was able to recover myself and to uh, get on a path uh, towards uh, uh, uprightness and righteousness before God. And he has been blessing me ever since, especially as a helper and a follower of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That, that's, cra that's, that's crazy because I had something similar like this. I don't know if you know. It was actually when I got off a, a phone call with you one day. You know, you, you, I had spoke to you and my mother. It was one night, and this is when a couple years ago, actually. You know, I have all this stuff going on with me. You know, we do the music. I write about TV. But my I, I had no job at the time. Lost, I, you know, I left my job and everything was piling on. The stress, I see that, because I see what's going on in the background. You know, the stress sometimes. And so I had a conversation with a lot, and I had something in my head. It was like, I, I, I've, I've had you this, this, this far. Why would I stop now? So get up. So that would write me to me. It was a switch that went in my head that says, you know what, you're right. I, I thought about a lot. Never let me down. He never let me down, and I had that that breakthrough. And now, ever since then, my focus has been on ultra drive. I just been tunnel vision with this this mission, 
and I think that's that's very deep. Um, on th on this conversation, we like to talk about faith, character, patience, and love. Those are the four what I call pillars to to just getting to the next level. You know, um, f for you, I know this is a just a, a full question, but faith. Could you kind of unpack, you know? the faith for you and you know how how did it start with you like at what point did you get get that 100 percent faith that no matter what you go through a lot got you and you know and and can you kind of just yeah unpack faith a little bit for the believers you know that's that do have doubt and fear still for some reason can you just unpack this you know the power of having faith well i would say this I know of one, I know of one man who I believe has that 100% faith. And that man is the honorable mm -hmm. Mr. Louis Farrakhan. And that man stood before the world on July 4th from the garden. And he showed you what it is to be a man completely 100% in his faith and belief in his God and his Christ. And he stood before the world that day to give to us from God the message that if we would listen, it could be our salvation. And so uh, I am one of his, I am one of his students. I would say that I'm growing in faith. Uh, I wish I could claim 100% faith. I just say I have faith and I'm trying to grow more each day in faith. But as it's said in the Bible, where Jesus was talking, he said, if you had faith, the grain of a mustard seed, it doesn't take a lot of faith, just a little faith. If you had that faith, the grain of a mustard seed, mm -hmm. you could say to the yonder mountain move and the mountain shall mm -hmm. be removed. And when you look at the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, I met him, 41 years ago, and he told me before ever the nation of Islam was rebuilt, he had that faith that he would be able, with God's help, to rebuild the nation of Islam. And he said that he would to me, and he said that he would get the properties back. And he said these things that he, as the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said of him, he would get us safely across the river on his shoulders. And when he got to the other side, he will not say, look what I have done. He will say, look what Allah has done. And he's a very humble brother. And we're looking at a man that has done those things. But everything that he has done is based upon his faith and the word that was given to him by the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. That's interesting. So we, we speak on... Um, July 4th, the criteria, and, and and he said, this is the last time you're going to hear from me for a while, right? And and that was our job as witnesses to stand up, right? So, but, and you're doing that now, you're doing that strong. Um, But my question is, after we, you know, after we stand up as witnesses, what is there left to do? And I ask this because of this, as, you know, as witnesses for years of, 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 of the minister, you know, for him to say this is his last time uh, for a while, which I, I understand because he's been warning us for so long. Us as believers, when does, as a believer, when, when does our mercy run out, if that makes sense? 
So you know, we 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 here on the front lines, and we're we're witnesses, and we're 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 soldiers out here fighting this battle. But when does our mercy run dry? If that makes sense, like when does yeah. we when do we say okay, we delivered a clear message after that, our hands are clean. Well, here's the thing. Um, the mission of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and is extended now by the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan is the resurrection of the dead. And so that means bringing to our people who are the choice of God, black people in particular and others who would hear the word, but particularly the black people that we would be raised from a mental, moral death that we would once again be resurrected into the God that is within us, that we are God's chosen people. And so that work continues. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who is continuing that assignment, but also has an assignment and a mission to unmask Satan. See, because we can't be resurrected as long as we don't know the knowledge of God, the reality of God, the knowledge of self, meaning that we are of God, we are of his choice. And we don't know the enemy of God that he is identified so that we can move ourselves away from him. As Jesus said in the Bible, get thee behind me, Satan, so that we put Satan out of our existence, that we can continue to grow uh, and have that mental breakthrough See, the resurrection is the spiritual breakthrough that we are awakened to the knowledge of God, self, and the enemy of God. Now, as it relates to mercy, mercy is the man in our midst. God gave us mercy and grace when we did not heed or follow his messenger, who is now the exalted Christ, but he gave us mercy. Now, of course, God, the scripture says it like this. See, as long as he is among us, there is some measure of mercy. But what we're witnessing now that he right. talked about on July 4th at the Criterion in the garden is that the iniquitous behavior, the, 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 the delight in doing evil is so, so, so much of a pandemic now. It's so much of a pestilence that God sent into the world a pestilence to deal with the pestilence of our evil. But still mercy and grace is present in him. So he's trying to guide us. He's trying to help us to navigate how we get through this dark hour. And so this is why we must listen to him carefully, study what he said to us during uh, the criterion on July 4th, we know we're in an hour now where God has brought about his pestilence. This is why we were called into our chambers. Mm -hmm. See, to number one, get ourselves together. But we know now that we see God bringing pestilence upon the planet. We have to secure our families. We have to secure mm -hmm. our community. Uh, because not only is the pestilence coming, but then famine is going to come to the land. So we know we have been taught about how to eat to live. We know the Quran talks about that Jesus who taught us uh, what foods to eat and what to store in our homes. So we still have work to do in 
not only securing ourselves and our immediate family, uh, you know, there's a real issue of disaster preparedness that we have to be concerned with. How do we make sure that we have the necessary supplies of our medications, of our water, of our food, uh, of the simple foods we eat? So there's much work for us to do while it is yet day. And I say it is yet day because he's still among us. But he said also when he is no longer with us, he said then the judgment will come down fully. So I say that we have time, but we don't have a lot of time. So we need to get busy to secure ourselves, secure our immediate family, our extended family, our community, and those who would be willing to listen to this heeding of this warning that has been issued from the man of God. Right. Yes, sir. So, so we, once we take, you know, we still have work to do, no doubt. So, but as what I ask that because the topic separation is, you know, at the end of the day, separation is, is, is key, right? So my thing is, you know, my thing is in my everyday walk, you know, you, you, you know, at, 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 one, at one point it's almost like me personally is like, all right, you know, I did, I did my part. I'm secured my family and my community, but if you don't want to listen, I can't force your hand. So what does that like, you know, as far as as a collective, you know, after we get all our, our necessary things in place, what does the separation look like? I mean, like, for example, wh why can't we just be, you know, we go, on to, we go to Detroit, we're about Detroit, and if you're with us, you're with us. If you're not, you can stay with Satan. Stay with Satan if that's what you choose, because I, I, it's getting to the point to where things are becoming redundant now. It's not even like people are ignorant to what, with the knowledge out here. It's just almost like they choose to, you, they choose to stay with Satan, you know, because they love the devil, you know. I, so, I, what does separation look like, and how do we, you know, how how do we, our younger generation, play a part in, you know, getting the minds together to where we on one accord? Well, first of all. Uh, God came to separate us from our enemy. Now, we understand in our teaching uh, that our people, us, were made deaf, dumb, and blind and have love for the enemy who have tormented us. But our assignment, going back to the original theme of your show, is to help our people to get to a mental breakthrough. And what does that mental breakthrough mean here? That mental breakthrough here means to get them to come into a certain knowledge, into a certain recognition. And truthfully, uh, Brother Chaz, we can never stop. Allah commands all of us who know the truth that we have to tell it. So the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said July 4th, hurl truth against falsehood until it knocks out its brains. So our people have right. been deceived, right? They have been deceived thinking that their 400 year old enemy was somehow their friend. And so this resurrection of right. the dead certainly is not easy because if it was that easy to have been done, it would already be completed. But God is involved in this. And so though there may be those who right. are resistant now, God is going to bring about the circumstances that is going to force the mental breakthrough 
that is going to make you to come to know that this is the people God came for us to separate us from this enemy God is not just our enemy, but he's the enemy of God. So you, it's like if you have a yard, uh, uh, Chaz, where you are planting to grow, the seed has to be dropped into the earth. And then you have to water it. You have to keep tending to it. You don't know when a sprout is going to come up. There are cycles in seasons, but it's called patience. Yeah. So once you receive the word of God, yeah. this is what makes the Honorable Mr. Louis Farrakhan so superlative in his divinity among us. He's a man that has an, an incredible degree beyond what I can even understand of patience. But under that is his immense love for God, his immense love for Christ, and his love for us as a people. Otherwise, a brother like myself would not be speaking to you today were it not for his patience with me. And I've made enough mistakes and others right. can bear along this road and he has been forgiving and understanding and continued to give me a chance to get back up and to do right. right. So again, the Holy Quran says to us like this, seek assistance through patience and prayer see and this is hard except for the humble ones but why did allah in the quran say seek assistance through patience first before prayer even though prayer is considered the number one pillar in the faith of your communication with allah but in this ayat he says seek assistance through patience because it requires of us to have that well of understanding and reservoir of love for God and what he came to do. And as one of his helpers, we have to try our best to show that patience. And that's the beauty of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and why he is loved throughout the United States among registered believers and uh, unregistered believers. I don't call them non-registered because by nature, we're all Muslims. This is what we have been taught. Our nature is of God. It is of righteousness. So we have to be patient. God is going to bring about the circumstances, uh, uh, dear brother, that are going to help all of our people if they survive physically to have a mental breakthrough that we are going to have to separate. And in the meantime, we continue to do our part and we continue to water the ground, right? We continue to share the word that we heard. And it'll sink in at the proper time. Everybody doesn't come to mental breakthroughs at the same time. Everybody has different conditions in life that bring them to a realization right. and an understanding. And so just keep at it. Don't lose faith or hope or patience. Stay the course. Mm, that, that's deep. See, you, you, see, you answered the patience part. I was going to get to the patience, but I think you really did sum it up, especially how the garden analogy that makes 100 percent uh sense right there so i'm gonna skip the patience i might visit that back but i'm gonna skip the patience i want to get into character right but in how i'm gonna jump into character is interesting because uh as a lawyer right um for the most part their courtrooms their law is based off of falsehood you know it has no real morals behind it so how do one 
you know, how how has it been navigating in that realm, uh, um, you know, as in law with, you know, character and morals that you have, you know, especially, you know, being under the minister, but how has it been in that realm of, of falsehood, but you're going into the courtroom and uh, with truth, you know, so how is that fight or that battle, if that makes sense, you know, of being, you know, coming, you know, with truth, but you're entering an arena that's based on falsehood? Well, first of all, thank you for the question. Um, unfortunately, the system of jurisprudence in terms of law in the courtroom, it's not based upon character or morals or even justice. It is really based on injustice. And the scripture says it like this, they frame mischief by means of the law. Now, as a lawyer, I will tell you that there's really, though they use the term character evidence in court, my evidence professor taught us that actually it's not character evidence because the character is the essence of who you are. You're being what makes you you. But in the court, it's really reputation. It's not character. It is what is the reputation that you have in the community. So it really doesn't even deal with your character to the extent right. that you are, are, are who you are. Now, of course, it's reputation in the courtroom. But again, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan taught me that all we can do is make the record. So we still go into the uh, jurisprudence system in the same way we deal with uh, falsehood. We hurl truth at falsehood. We, that's all we can do. We lay that out. We make the record because God is watching, not, not the judge in the black robe sitting on the bench, but the God above us is watching. And so you still stand for righteousness and you still stand for truth, and that's why the enemy uh, of us all, why they hate the minister so much, because he is a man of character. He is a man of high morals. He is a man of truth, and this is why the world hates such a man, because we live in a world that is governed by Satan and his being an arch deceiver and the deceit of this world. So he's hated now because he stood before the world on July 4th and told the world, here is Satan. Mr. Dershowitz, you are Satan masquerading as a lawyer. Mr. Jonathan Greenblatt, you are Satan. See, the minister's assignment is to unmask Satan. Why? In order for us to go free, in order for us to have the true mental breakthrough that we need to have, knowing that we are of God, that God has chosen us as his people, that God came to us, that God put a man among us to resurrect us from our miserable state of condition. That's the breakthrough we need. But in order to do that, we have to right. identify Satan and Satan has to be unmasked to quote Corinthians second, I'm um, pardon me, second Thessalonians, the third chapter and let no man deceive you. See, uh, and that day shall not come except there be a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. And that is what happened on July 4th. And so this assignment to unmask Satan is the minister's assignment and we are his helpers in that cause 
to help in the identity of Satan that our people can know to pull away from him and to follow God and God's man who is trying to guide us safely uh, across the river. Yes, sir. So that interesting because I'm gonna I'm gonna transition to that until because I heard you speak um on um, um on the politics leg of it is that saying that you know you know we as black people see politics as as, as God or savior like you know can you unpack that a little bit more like you know how can we you know the evidence is here the minister the evidence and witnesses we're standing up the evidence is we're showing that listen. Our lives have changed for the better. Like, so, but how can we take the attention away from politics that, that you know we don't seem to love so much that we think is going to save and correct our situation? You know, how can we, especially as a millennial talking, you know, convince convince our community that no politics is not our savior? I understand local can make a difference, but as far as presidents go, man, nothing has changed. You know, and I, I know on my show I've had big debates on, on you know, almost arguments on uh, about politics and you know this system and you know trying to get out of the system. Can you just unpack that a little bit more about how we see politics as our savior, and how can we change that? Well, as the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said to us, um, that we support those who are sympathetic to our cause in terms of politics. And he said, what we really need is a Muslim politician. The, the key to politics, which is basically how resources are dispersed to the society or in the society. And you notice and you watch how other groups are able to extract something out of the political system because they're unified, they're organized, and they are able to use that power to force the politician under the threat of them losing their vote or uh, voting against them to extract what they need. So you see the power of, of certain communities. Certainly the Jewish community is one of the most powerful at being organized and really in a sense, exerting extreme power over politics. You see uh, the LGBTQ community exert extreme power, but they're organized and they have a clear objective. Uh, the Hispanic community as well, they are organizing and uh, uh, advocating for their agenda. So the question becomes where we have failed is we have failed to articulate an agenda of our own. What is the black agenda? Meaning what yeah. is in the interest of black people? We have to uh, be clear in our own community to unify around what is it that we need in our community for which you want my vote. Right now, our vote is taken for granted. And so we'll just assume that someone because they are Democrat is going to do good by us and someone that's a Republican will not. Well, there was a time when the Republican Party was the party of black people because Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. The Democrats were the party of the South. Now it's flipped. The Republicans is the party of the South and the Democrats are now 
the party that black people follow. But here's the thing. We, as the Ambalaj Muhammad wrote, our problem is a divine problem. God permitted us to undergo this condition of 460 years. But he said the solution to our problem is a divine solution. And that's why God came yeah. to offer a divine solution. And that divine solution is separation. Now, let me just say this. Separation is not the physical separation is the last stage. We have to first come to an understanding. Mm. Separation is a process. It starts in the mm. It's like being in a relationship and it has not been going good for a long time. Right. It has been an abusive relationship. Now you tried your best. Right. You tried your best to, to heal it, to solve it, but somehow it just appears that you're not able to solve it. And so we have a saying, if we cannot get along in peace, then we must what? Separate. So we, we need and uh, do by God freedom, a full and complete freedom. We deserve justice, equal justice under the law. We deserve equality. So freedom, justice, and equality, as the Constitution parallels it by calling it life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This nation has not the will or the desire to grant to black people what is due. So it is not capable of giving us freedom, justice, and equality. Maybe a few crumbs here or there. Extract the benefit that you can, but we continue to work towards what God came to do, which is to bring about the separation. Yeah, right, right. So, and that's and that's where I want to get to. You know that that part. You know, what I'm saying, but I get it. Was first we got to change the mindsets. So as we're still working towards that, but you said something that was interesting on one of your shows. That I think is interesting. You said we, as witnesses, we have a chance to beat prophecy. I find that interesting because um, you know we all know the story. You know Jesus and the disciples, um, but we're living in that time now. You know, with the minister, and um, I want to know what you mean by we have a chance to beat prophecy. So, because I look at it like this, you know, a lot he's going to get his people one way or the other. Either it could be the hard way, easy way, or the hard way. So when I hear you say beating prophecy, I feel like we can get to our goal a lot easier as opposed to if we, you know, repeat history, we all going to have to go through that fire to get to the other end. So can you unpack beating prophecy? Like, what does that mean? Well, uh, according to the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, in our lessons, it says uh, there's a prophecy of 144,000. It's in the Bible uh, who would be redeemed from the world. But the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says in our lessons that we study that he, the apostle, and those with him, which would be us, that we believe that we can beat the old prophet's prediction. And the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan shared with us many times that the Honorable Muhammad looked at him and 
speaking on his value to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, through you, I will get all my people. He was speaking of the riches in the earth and he uh, uh, shared to the minister how he was more valuable, if I can recall this correctly, than a truckload of diamonds and gold. That he was more valuable than, uh, uh, I think it was three plane loads, if it was three of, of uh, uh, cattle, each having a sheep with each having a thousand head on them. Uh, that he said he was more valuable to him than all the wealth that was in the earth. He said, because he met that wealth when he came here and it would be here when he leaves, but through him, the Honorable Minister Louis Farcom, but through you, he said, I will get all of my people. And so that means we have a chance. That's why we can't become impatient. Uh, uh, Brother Chaz, we got to stay at it because God has sent one among us and it is said that through him, he will get all. He didn't say some. He would get all of his people and all is a big word. It's certainly more than 144,000. This is, but we have to believe, see, as a people in God to that degree to know that there is a real God that has come for us and raised among us his Christ that is now exalted and left among us his Messiah near Jesus among us because that work is ongoing and it's been ongoing now for 90 years, but it still has to continue. Even when the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan goes to the next part of his assignment, the next part of his destiny, and we of course expect to see him when he returns, but we have to work. So we have work to do, and we have to stay yes, at home. Right, right. That's, um, so let me ask you real quick. I know you get these questions a lot, but you know, being with you know, you're you're in a position where you're walking with Jesus, right? As we speak with God's man, right? So, but how is it, you know, being a, a general counsel? Like, how is it counseling? Uh, God's man. It's almost like, for example, you know, our relationship. Like, how would I go about? How do I go about canceling a brother off? Because I look to him for all the guidance. Like, how do? How is that relationship walking with a man like that? And you know, putting your two cents in. And I know he's humble, and but how is it for you? You know, just walking with a man like that. And then a two-part question is: When you found that, when you found out who you was walking with, Brother Off, how was it on you? What was your mindset to hold yourself down saying to know that I'm a part of history, no doubt. Like as Brother Off, you're a part of history moving forward and you, you know, how is that to hold yourself down? What is that mindset to keep yourself humble knowing that you, you have someone of real importance? Well, let me say it to you like this. Um, whatever that may be, that will take care of itself. I never give that a thought uh, mm. because I'm, mm -hmm. my thought is on my helping the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, mm. helping our people under his guidance and direction. Uh, you know, uh, it just never even enters my mind to think about what the history will be or what legacy will be. Uh, because again, that's decided by other people. That's not decided by me. 
So I, I just go and do the work that I do, uh, try to utilize the gifts, skills, and talents that God has given me to help the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and our people, and let time and circumstance and others uh, address that part. Now, uh, let me say, uh, as it relates to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, more times than not, he's counseling me, even uh, in what I may do professionally. I may have certain aspects of knowledge as a lawyer right. that he doesn't have because he didn't go to law school. But what he has for, for me is far above that because right. more times than not, he guides me in what I do as general counsel. He guides me in how to fight. So I have to be honest with you. He, yes, he, he's the greatest uh, 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 attorney or defense attorney I know because he's the greatest defender of black people. So most times he's guiding us, okay? Uh, I will say this to you, Howard. He is mm -hmm. a humble man. There's, an, there's a, uh, a hadith um, where uh, Prophet Muhammad was digging a ditch and there was a man who actually had the expertise in how to dig the ditch. And he was a little, I guess, nervous about how to approach the prophet about the way he was digging the ditch. And he said to him, uh, 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 dear apostle, uh, is the way you're digging this ditch based on revelation? Or is, or is the way you're digging it based on how you understand how to to dig it. And of course, Prophet Muhammad said, well, no, I'm just doing this the way I understand it. So since it was not revelation that was guiding him to dig the ditch, then the man who had that knowledge said, well, may I show you a better way? Well, that's an example of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. He does not claim universal knowledge about anything. He knows what he knows, and he's the best in what he knows, and he's uh, uh, from what I've seen over these uh, 41 years, uh, I don't know a man that I've ever been around with the kind of insight and knowledge that he has into the root knowledge of things, the tap root knowledge of things, which is why he is able to give guidance in so many areas. But there are those small areas where he may need our assistance due to a particular level of expertise. And in that regard and in that way, He's always willing to listen, and that's the great part of his wonderful humility. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I, I want to touch on love now. I'm at that part where of the conversation, love. Um, uh, where where did your love for you know your people come from? Like even as a child, like do you remember? And you know, being young, uh, growing up in Baltimore, like where where did this love come from? Because it's one thing to get into get into this fight and this mission, because you know, for you know, for selfish reasons, but to have love to where you can you are willing to die for your people. That's real love. Anytime you love something, you're willing to die for it more than likely. So. Where did your love for your people come from, even before the nation? Like, what point? I mean, maybe because how you was raised by your parents. Like, where did your love for for us come from? 
Well, uh, it evolved. Uh, I will tell you uh, that from the time of a young boy, uh, growing up in poverty, growing up impoverished, seeing the actual condition of my own family in terms of, of uh, being so poor, of not having food, not having clothing, not having a place to live, not understanding why this was our lot in life. Growing up in segregation where the blacks lived on one side of the tracks and the whites lived on the other side of the tracks and normally their side of the tracks had the schools, they had the stores, they had the pharmacies. We just lived on the other side of the railroad tracks in bungalow housing, uh, walking from uh, one part of the black neighborhood to go across into the white neighborhood to play Optimus League football and being chased and called nigger and being attacked by whites. All of this I grew up under, seeing the police coming into our community and attacking us and treating us so disrespectfully and being a victim of that myself at the age of 19, being almost killed by the police at 19 years of age. And so I lived these things. So I, what grew up in me, what, what was building in me is, is, a, is, a, is a being really upset about injustice, about unfair treatment, about wrong. And it, that grew in me. And so by the time I got to college, I became very much an activist uh, based upon my feelings of injustice against black people uh, and started uh, at college taking African-American studies courses, which gave me even more knowledge and insight into the injustices that black people have suffered. So it kind of grew over the years. And by the time I had met the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, I was a, a, a very full Pan-Africanist at that time, wearing my dashiki and my, had my big bush and had my African name and and was about the revolution. So I was I had become a full-blown activist by that time. So I was already involved in uh, the process of fixing my mind to work on behalf of eradicating injustices of our people. And then I was blessed. To, and that's what drew me to the minister because I read Malcolm X's autobiography and was so uh, mesmerized by it. And when I learned that the minister had uh, stood back up and that he was Malcolm's protege, I went to find him and ultimately found him in 1979 at Coppin. And then uh, that journey solidified for me. Loving our people, I learned that from watching the love of a man for me and for us, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. He right. is the best example to me of the love of a man, but it's really the love of God in the man for us. And he has uh, continually taught us to how to love one another and how to love our people. So it has grown over time. Uh, and so that is kind of the journey that we've been on. It's because, you know, I asked that question because it's in this, in this, this mission, this fight is it's a disconnect I'm, I'm seeing between what we call the black elites or the gatekeepers that's, you know, and 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 you know your the 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 black man that's living on the streets that's like you said you grew up and you've seen this so you have some type of anger towards it 
But you on, on one end, you have a group of black, again, black elites that, that hold all the wealth in our community, but they don't have that type of anger towards, you know, you know, separation or trying to get justice because they feel like, you know, I'm getting crumbs or a, a, a piece of bread from them. We can we all get along? So can you kind of unpack, you know, just the relationship of how do we overcome our in-house fighting with one another? As you know, us on the front lines fighting with those that's in key positions in the world. You know that that we call you know the black elites. Can you kind of touch on that a little bit? Well, you know, brother Chaz, that's historic. There, there has always been the masses of our people who suffer under the whip and the lash and the injustice and know the reality of being under uh, this enemy of ours. And then there are those who have been able to gain some modicum of benefit. I don't say they have much, but I will really honestly tell you, right, right. I will really honestly tell you many of the quote, black bourgeoisie that there was a book written many years ago by E. Franklin Frazier called The Black Bourgeoisie. Uh, and, and Dr. Du Bois, a great theoretician among us, called it the talented 10th. But even those today, Brother Chad, to be honest with you, that uh, may appear to have such hope, it is only hope because they know it's not reality. That's why you hear them keep talking about, we got to keep the fight going. We got to keep the fight for civil rights going. We got to keep the fight for justice going. They actually know what the reality is in black life. Mm, Where they are, they suffer as well. You see, so Jesus didn't just come for the unlearned masses. He also came for the learned. So Jesus' work right. is to bring together the learned of our people and the masses of our people. And that's what you have in the beauty of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, because he has supporters and followers. Uh, Brother Chaz, everybody that's in the nation, contrary to what newspapers say, is not a former uh, person that was in prison, you know, though, you know, I'm an attorney. I, I only went to jail a few days and I was falsely accused for a crime I didn't commit. But here's the point. They're doctors, they're lawyers, they're engineers, they're scientists. There's mathematicians, there's accountants. The nation of Islam has all kinds of learned people among us, along with, along with the masses. But the knowledge that is supreme among us that makes it a level playing field is the knowledge of God. It is the knowledge and the revelation brought to us from Master Fahd Muhammad to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and now uh, from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan to us. So the nation is unique in that we have many different strata of people in the nation of Islam. Among many strata, those that have been in prison, those who have not, those who have no degree, those that have law degree. So we have all kinds. And then of course, for the minister among the mass of black people, he has a host of admirers in the learned class. And so we saw this at the Million Man March in 1995. There's a scripture in the Bible mm. where Jesus is riding into Jerusalem and they're hollowing Hosanna, 
Hosanna in the highest. And it said he was riding a colt and an ass. And we were taught that what that meant was that Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on the learned and the unlearned. And that's what the Million Man March was because the mass of men out there were from the cult, the learned, and the unlearned masses. And so what I'm saying to us going back to the mental breakthrough, our brothers and sisters that still have this hope in the enemy, God is gonna bring about the condition that they are gonna, the seed that is in their mind, they know that they are in an unjust system. They know how the stress that is on them to try to go along to get along. Do you see? So even right. the right. point is going to have to confront the reality that they are going to have to separate or if they don't wish to separate, then they will suffer the same fate as the enemy. And so will the unlearned masses who don't want to accept. So this is the greatness of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. It, what he brings is like this Jesus, and that's why we see him in that scripture as Jesus, the real one today, because he touches so many across right. all levels and stratas from the brother on the corner, the man in the prison, all the way up to the highest levels of science, business, industry, and government. See, that's interesting, man. We can go. We can. Go, I can. That's interesting. You brought up the Million Man March in '95, but it's so because you say they they know what's really going on. So do that at some point. And this is why that patience thing is so important. Do you have moments to where you like you can be stressed out because on one hand you you know you look at it. I can understand if you're just ignorant to the knowledge. Okay, you're ignorant to the knowledge, and this is all you knew. Okay, but on the other hand, you know what's going on around you, but you choose the you choose not to help, and you you make you they make your fight our fight that much harder. And so it's kind of crazy because you speak about the Million Man March, and from my understanding, after that in '95, Gaddafi uh, wanted to donate some money to the nation to help help the black community but that was being blocked and while that was being blocked you had no one at the time as witnesses that was the elite that had the, the the wealth and the resources in our community didn't really want to you know align themselves or help donate or help just help the community at all so my question is do you do you have days where you know you just get stressed out or annoyed sometimes with you know having to fight with your own kind why are you still fighting the, the, the enemy? Well, certainly we all are human beings and we, when we're striving to do something and uh, it's not uh, the way we think it should be or it doesn't happen for us as it should, there can be some frustration, but you always have to try to go back and be reminded what happened to us as a people. Mm. See, what who created this condition that we are in and who continues to fight to keep us in this condition. So I can't blame our people. God is going to take care of those who just completely rebel and just don't want to submit. But we have to be able to follow a man like the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan without doubt and suspicion 
because when we become frustrated, we lose faith and we lose patience. And there's a big scripture mm. in the Holy Quran uh, dealing with Moses traveling in search mm. of knowledge. And in that uh, 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 section, I believe it's the 18th chapter of the Holy Quran, it, go, it talks about a wise man traveling, or Moses as they called him, traveling with the wise man and throughout the wise man is doing things and this Moses is always critiquing and judging the man for what he was doing until the man finally said, okay, this is the parting of the ways between you and I. Let me tell you why I did what I did. So the Amalite Muhammad said, well, that really was right. Moses. He said, that really was my followers who follow me in doubt and suspicion. We don't wish to be the same type of people today in following the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. He gave us a message on July 4th. He told us why God brought this pandemic, this pestilence. He told us to be aware and not to take the vaccine of the enemy. He warned the world that they had to bow before God if they wanted this pestilence to be uh, removed. And so we have to listen to God's man today and follow him in what he says and not follow him in doubt and suspicion. And so we're human beings. Sometimes right. we get a little weary. We get a little tired. That's when we go into our chamber, uh, hopefully get a good night's sleep, wake up and talk to the God, shake it off and get back on your post as we're taught huh, to quit my post only when what? Properly relieved. Perfect. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, all right. I don't want to keep. I don't want to hold you too much longer. You're hitting on different points, real quick. Um, you spoke on, you know, the history how we got here. I really want you to kind of touch on the sixty-four hitting years. But you said vaccines. So, you know, in your, you know, your article, because I've seen, you know, Dershowitz, and I've seen that that the arrogance he had when he when he was he said, you know. We'll just plunge a needle in their arm, but it's and it's crazy because that didn't raise enough eyebrows to people. But you you stood up and you you wrote a powerful article to him. But can you just touch on you know that time of you know when if they declare war on us, you know what should our post be? You know out here, you know when they do that, like how should we go about it? Like what things should we have in place as far as you know preparedness? Like how should we be moving when they declare? you know, that type of warfare on us, of you know, just plunging the needle in our arms. Like, I don't, I don't like that. So what should be our response? Well, we heard the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan during the Criterion on July 4th address that he said that if you, Mr. Dershowitz, meaning the principle that Mr. Dershowitz was articulating, mm -hmm. that people can just come and take you and take you somewhere to plunge a needle in your arm, he said, well, if that is the decision that is being made, then that's a declaration of war against us and we are going to fight to preserve the life that we have because we're very really well aware of the enemy's aim to call the population. And so we say it like this. All right. uh, from a legal standpoint, I will tell you, it would take a lot to do a national mandate that all citizens are forced to have to be vaccinated. That, that's something that the federal government has never done. And it's not likely that they will do it. It's done state by state. 
And even when states have uh, one state that I know have mandated uh, recently in California that you had to take the measles vaccine. Uh, otherwise, you could not come to the right. school. There are people who said, I don't give I don't give a skip what law you pass. I'm not taking that vaccine because it's known to produce autism in children. And so this is where you have to take a stand. See, one thing in the civil rights movement, they talked about unjust laws. You follow me? At one point, slavery was the law, but it was unjust. So to say that you're going to try to impose a law to force me to put into my body the very vaccine I'm trying not to get, to inject someone with the COVID-19 vaccine right. is going to mean I'm in being injected with COVID-19. You're not injecting me with COVID-19 under, no, right. under no, no day. So the point I'm making to you is, if it ever came to that, it would be a declaration of war. And there are many who agree with what the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said, particularly many in the white community who uh, uh, what they call anti-vaxxers, but they talk about the horrors, if you really understand the dangers of vaccine. This is why the most honorable Elijah Muhammad told us not to take the polio vaccine. He And, and we did, and come to find out later, the profound cancer-causing agent that was in the vaccine. These vaccines, you get shot with all kinds right. of poisons. And so, no, he said, we will not take the vaccine. That's We follow him in that. We will not take the vaccine. And so is if that gets to that, then God will direct us and guide us as to how we fight that war. But in the meantime, as we said earlier, secure our homes, make sure we have our supplies for 30, 60, 90 days, yes, our water, have our food, have our preparedness, uh, our hand, uh, ham radios as they call it, and all of the things that we're going to need, our candles, but because when God continues to intensify his judgment, we have to be prepared uh, to go through this darkness uh, until Allah brings about his final judgment and bring us back into the light. So we just have to be prepared and we have to work now and follow what the Honorable Minister Louis yes, Farrakhan has to do. All right, so uh, before we get out of here, just one last thing I would like for you to touch on because you kind of said it. Um, the 64 hidden years, uh, a lot of us, you know, they have so many museums out here. I go to a museum and they always start from uh, uh, 1619 slavery. They will never show us before that, but a lot of folks don't know, you know, what, what took place and why it took 64 years, but could you just, uh, Talk a little bit on the 64 hidden years and how we got to this point to that where we at now. I know you're a big historian. I just would like you to kind of tap in on that a little bit. We're we're taught in the teachings of the Most Amalized Muhammad that uh, we count from 1555 when slavery began. Yep. And uh, in most of the history books, it talks about 1619, but 1619 is when those uh, 19 or so slaves were brought into America in Jamestown. But what they didn't tell you about was those Africans that they took from Africa, took them down into the Caribbean 
and over a process of 64 years made a slave. They broke the African and produced a slave that when they were uh, brought to America did not have the knowledge of self, uh, did not have the knowledge of their own people. And so it's the process of making a slave that is in that hidden 64 years that they don't want us to know about because the horror of what it took to make a slave is, is so horrible to really even to discuss. It was that horrible to, to reduce us to this mm. condition where we did not know our name, our language, our country, our God, our religion, our lineage, who we were from and then to reduce us to where now we became, according to the constitution, three-fifths of a human being. But even before that, we were simply called chattel, nothing uh, uh, above the piece of the field to call the land for the slave master. Yes, sir. All right, brother, listen, um, I guess I don't hold you. It's so much, you know, that we could, you can go on. You. You got a wealth of knowledge, but I hope my listeners took something away. Um, I just wanted to say I, I thank you before I got one more question, but I just wanted to just give my thanks to you while I got you. I just want to thank you for being, you know, a part of my life all these years. Of course, I want to thank the minister. You know, that goes without saying. But I really want to thank you and you know, Brother Gary, shout out to Brother Gary, just the male figures that have been in my life. Um and in this marathon, you know, it's a marathon, but I would like to say y'all did a wonderful, y'all doing a wonderful job of running this race. And when it's time to hand that baton, y'all should have, you know, faith in knowing that we'll continue this fight for y'all. Because y'all did a, y'all doing a wonderful job. Y'all set a, a great foundation for someone like me to, to, to build on. And, and I just want to just thank you, give you your flowers while you're here um, or whatnot. Um, but before I get out of here, you just tell one, just one last word to tell the listeners, you know, again, just before they get that, that breakthrough, you know, you know, just what, what should they, you know, take with them uh, with regards to faith, character, patience, and love, you know, what should stay on their mind so they can get to that next level to know that, you know, everyone is a star in their own right. And everyone has plays a part in this, you know, like a puzzle. So what can you just tell but the listeners, before you get out of here, you know, just something on their heart, something to sleep on. Well, Brother Chaz, first of all, let me thank you. And of course, um, we would have to be um, uh, not remiss if we did not know that the great man that you've become, we played a role. But we have to give the greatest credit to your mother, who uh, has been a woman of faith. Uh, all of these years, she has been a helper with me uh, ever since the 1990s, and she's still a helper of mine today. I can always call upon her to help me, and she has been a great help and continued to be a great help, but she is a believing woman and a woman of faith, and it is her belief that she put in you, that she put in Todd, that she put in Kiari, that, that goes down into the lineage. It is her greatness that you manifest. We were happy to be like your uncle, to be there, and uh, but we're very proud of you, but we know we're proud of her because she toiled in the vineyard with you all from 
little boys and little girls all the way up into adulthood. And so we thank Allah for her. And, you know, she was like in many ways a Mary who didn't have a man and she had to raise her son. And so we thank Allah for her and may Allah mm. bless her as she continues on this walk. I would say to all who are listening that we are now at a critical time in the world. And in that time now, God is bringing his judgment down. We are living in the end times. And what God most wants from us is to seek after him. As it says in the scriptures, if my people, this was at the million man march, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Yes, sir. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, mm -hmm. then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. So I say to all of the young who may be listening, God is real and he should be real in your life. He's coming after us and he's bringing an entire world down because it's a world of evil and wicked and he intends to set up his kingdom and he wants us to be a part of that kingdom. And those of you that are young in your 20s and 30s, you all are destined to be the leaders in that kingdom. We don't know the time when all of this may happen. Some of us may not be around, but we work for the future and you all represent that future. So give ear to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Give ear to student minister Ishmael Muhammad who gave a great lecture today on youth and he gave a lecture, a great lecture last week on youth. Tune in to the teachings on Sunday at www.noi.org. Tune in to listen to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan on the time and what must be done. Most importantly of all, let us love one another in the way God loves us. It's a challenge, but we can do it. We must come together if we are to survive, but God is with us and with him, we can survive. So may Allah God bless you, Brother Chad, yes, and your family, your little son, because you, you are now doing this for the future as well, the extended future as well. Yes. So may Allah bless you and let us get on the right course, hear the voice of the man of God among us, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. As-salamu alaykum. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My legacy love. Thank you. Yes, sir. So y'all know that was that was brother off. Hey, we'll, you know, we'll stay in touch. You know how it is. Um, so, you know, have a blessed Sunday. Again, thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you. Um, talk to you people. soon. I appreciate the value you brought. Assalamu alaikum. Yes, sir. Salam. All right.